Welcome back, fellow spy nerds, to the Spies Like Us podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about the representation of tradecraft on screens, large and small. I'm Todd. With me, as always, is David. Howdy. <laughs> David, tell us what we're going to talk about this week. We're watching Slow Horses, episode five and six, uh, finishing off the first season of the miniseries adaptation of the books. Yeah. Um... We've, uh, hopefully we've mentioned the books before. If not, I think they came out around 2003 or something. Um, some people calling uh, this guy uh, our generation's John Le Carré. I wouldn't go quite that far myself. <laughs> yeah, that might be reserved for Joe Weisberg. Ooh, I don't know he, that guy. He was the creator of The Americans, but he didn't write any books, so I guess that doesn't count. Never okay. mind. But the good news is, what is there, like nine books? There are, I think, eight. I think eight. Oh, wow. And, uh, Friend of the podcast, Fred Kennedy, I think is his last name, uh, posted on our Facebook page that he's read through a few of them and he's enjoyed them. So I know they've finished season two already, so I'm really excited for this series. Well, we know be. that Mick Jagger is a fan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I I, I I still can't believe like could you I just being that showrunner and getting the phone call from like Mick Jagger's people so good that he wants to do the song <laughs> so good like I said you got to read that like three times before you even mention it to anyone else right just just to make sure that you're not dreaming <laughs> yeah right am I reading this right. <laughs> Uh, so we, uh, we would recommend new listeners go back and catch up with us two episodes ago, uh, because we're not going to, uh, recap the plot. We're trying to keep these episodes kind of short. Um, what was our, uh, what was our dun, 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 this show does have some, some dun, dun, dun cliffhanger kind of stuff, uh, at the ends of, um, I think the one at this one, uh, for the last episode was just, uh, having Cartwright, suddenly realized there's some connection to that time that he tailed Taverner. Yes. Is it? Okay. Uh, that's one of the big dun-dun-duds. And then the other one is just like, um, uh, that the, the, the first desk is coming uh, to, to shit on Taverner. Oh, yeah. She's like, you've made a mess. You clean this up. Um, and so... It's it's gonna be yeah. Oh, and that's right. Um, Tavner like basically tries to bully Struin and give. That's right. Struin in the interrogation is like, oh yeah, uh, Lamb uh, was working with that guy who was involved with uh, the Sons of Albion. Yeah, that that was the big end. That right. Everything fell apart. Yeah. Right. So kind of, I think we can still kind of uh, segregate these into like three stories going on, you know, mm -hmm. intersecting with each other. There's the uh, uh, Curly, Zeppo and Larry mm -hmm. in the van with their, with their kidnappee. Uh, there's Lamb's team and then there's Tavner's machinations pretty much. I think Hobner is mostly just, no, he kind of reappears at the very end of this episode, doesn't he? Or at the end of six doesn't he resurface? Hobner? Oh, yeah. Um, well, he's the one that's trying to get... He, he tries to, like, basically blackmail that, like, uh, senator. He We don't know what he is, but he's a politician, that guy. 
Yeah. Um, and and so there's that, but he's definitely coming back in episode five and six. R- right. I don't think I saw a lot of him in five, but uh, anyways, I just do. We have any comments on him? You know, just can we slide him out of the way? I don't think he has any big parts to play no, in the story. We, no, not at all. We discussed this like last episode. For those of you listening who haven't heard, go check out our podcast episodes for episode one and two and episode three and four. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he, I think he's just there to be a catalyst. He's just kind of like, you know, a has been journalist. That's like a super right wing guy who finds out about this false flag operation. And is he, he kind of sets a lot of stuff in motion, but he doesn't really have an arc. He's just kind of there. All right. All right. Well, let's get our, let's get our lunkheads out of the way. Um, you know, they're not, they're, they're not doing, they're not doing, well, they're, they're not doing a lot plot wise. There is a lot of story going on in that van. Um, there are certain scenes and I kind of had this feel before. And especially with these van scenes, again, I'm feeling some Coen brothers slash Tarantino kind of vibes here. You know, as if the writer is a fan of, of those, you know, not, not saying it's, it's, it's not the same flavor, yeah. but, but it's kind of playing a little bit in the same ballpark. Um, do you, do you like these guys? Do you like their scenes? Well, I like the scenes. I mean, I don't think that, you know, I, I think it was best that we started off talking about the, cause they're not really that significant, you know, they, they just have their little story and their little story is that they kidnapped the kid turns out they were being used and um, instead of just walking away, like Sanders, uh, not Sanders, which Simmons told them to uh, the one guy who's super idealistic decides to take the mission into his own hands and he's changing and he's taking control of the situation. Um, so right. goes on a little, yeah. And some gripping drama as far as who's actually in control with the gun changing hands and stuff. Um, you know, very, very interesting watching doesn't really like none of their decisions they make like really directly, like impact the story. They just kind of are on their own thing until the end when, uh, our slow horses like apprehend them and save the Pakistani kid. Yeah. But I do have this to say, this is my main, uh, tradecraft thing that I want to say about these guys is to note that, um, uh, you know, in Taverner's command center, they are, they actively like mentioned, like they're probably actively trying to avoid the CCTV, the closed caption, um, you know, security camera footage. Now, I don't know if you know this, but at least at one point, uh, Britain was the most surveilled state in the world, mm-hmm. or at least way up there um right now the it it in the list of most surveilled cities uh the prize does go to china but oh yeah i would yeah (laughs) i'm surprised england was ever number one (laughs) yeah well especially it being the uh home of george orwell uh yeah oh yeah (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, but right now London is London is number four and it is true that the guys like when they realize they're out of gas, they got to go to the gas station and they're like, well, fuck, you know, we got a problem here. Cause we'll be, 
will be caught on the CCTV. Mm-hmm. And it's so much so that like even the command center knows or suspects that these guys would be actively worried about that and trying to dodge that. That is not some, that is a particularly Britain kind of situation. If this story was happening in the United States, uh, you know, if you were on the run, I mean, yeah, you might have some slight concerns about, you know, the security footage of the gas station existing. Yeah. But it would be more of a situation where you'd be worried that like, well, if they figure out that we were at this gas station and then they send some cops and they get a warrant to get the footage from a judge, as opposed to this situation where it's more like, no, if you show up on camera, like the authorities can see you in real time. Yeah. <laughs> that That is some bullshit that they do in Britain that we don't do in the U.S. And uh, uh, it's got it had gotten so bad that um, actually I think just, yeah, about a year ago, about a year ago in May, there was a very big court ruling in Britain that ruled that their mass surveillance practices were illegal. And this is largely credited as a kind of a victory for your boy, Mr. Snowden. Mr. Snowden. (laughs) That that was the, the extent of British surveillance on civilians, the mass surveillance uh, was part of what he uh, brought to light. So that that was interesting to me, you know, just just noticing that kind of element of the of of the tradecraft of the particular country that we're in. Right. Um, I didn't really have anything else to say about the guys. Me, either. they don't really do a whole lot to begin with. They're just kind of there, and they have like their own storyline. But you know, we're not really here discussing the storyline. Uh, but just to catch everybody up, you know, last time, uh, basically the Sons of Albion who had uh, kidnapped a Pakistan hostage and they were threatening to cut off the head of him, you know, because these are like the right wing white nationalists of, of England. Um, they discover there's a traitor and one of them kills the traitor and then takes over and they go on the run. So that's what we're those are the guys we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Todd pointed out, there's not a whole lot tradecraft wise from them. Um, right. I think, so I pro- the, like, please the, go ahead. The, yeah, the there was like a really tense scene at the gas station where they forced the the hostage to get out and put in the gas. Um, you would think the CCTV would pick up on them, but I think they were more worried that they were like covered in blood and shit. Why wouldn't the CCTV pick up his face? Like his face was all over the news, right? And, and even that lady at the gas station recognized him <clears throat> and like asked him for some help with her gas cap or something to try and mm-hmm. give him like a, a safe way out. It, it was, it was a really tense moment, but now that you brought up the CCTV, I'm like, why didn't, why wouldn't he have been picked up from the CCTV? I find it also, I find it difficult to believe that he didn't run just human nature. I realize the kids are in danger. But I think just like animal instinct would take over and you would just, I mean, when, you know, especially when what you're looking forward to is having your goddamn head chopped off. That's the sort of thing that puts the real terror in you. You know, I mean, that's well, yes, much it depends more- on the person, you know, if, if someone's more of a fight or flight, like self-interest type or something versus some someone that w- would be concerned for others, you know, I, th- I think it depends on the person. 
Like I, I, I don't think I would have ran, but I probably would have gotten shot on the way there trying to kick everybody in the face or something. I don't know. <laughs> to me, to me, it reminds me of this book uh, called The Last Detail, and there was a movie made of it with uh, Jack Nicholson and Randy Quaid, uh, where there were these two naval officers and they're taking this kid uh, basically to prison uh, for stealing some fucking like. Uh, charitable funds like literally like just a jar of of quarters yeah but it happened to be like the 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 officer of the base's wife's pet project and so he's totally getting the book slammed at him anyways the story is really about these guys and and their evolving relationship with the kid on the way of the trip to take him to prison and he's always telling him like they're always saying like hey now don't run from us right don't make this hard for it. You know, we'll take the handcuffs off. Don't run. Don't run. Hey, do you want to, you know, we're bored this afternoon. You want to play a little football, throw f- football around? All right, but don't you fucking run. And he's always telling him, like, I won't run. No, I'm not going to run. No, you guys are great. You know, he's a sweet kid. Not No guile to him at all. But, like, any chance he does get, like, a certain distance away from him, he does run. And it's so clear in the book that he's not making this t- – he's not – waiting for his chance to run it's just that whenever the opportunity comes up like you can just tell like his aunt just his animal instincts of self-preservation just take over oh that um, sounds like a really good character study on a particular type of person um i, su- th- I would have to check that out yeah that, that's yeah like it like you're saying because the opportunity presented itself kind of like um, you know, people are only character ex- like exists only so far as their options or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like, I yeah definitely think, for sure. I definitely think there are people out there like that, and and I think that story sounds like a good study of you know that particular type of of uh, I guess psychographic is what you would call it. I suppose. Like that. Um, can we move over to Stan? Uh, not Standish, but Taverner. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we're here to like close out the series. Uh, how do you feel about her overall? You know, uh, any complaints or compliments about the way she handles her biznatch? Yeah. I, I feel like she had way too many more opportunities to just, I, I don't understand her motivations for really cleaning up at this point. Like shit's already fucked up. And Lamb offered her a way out, and she just threw it under the butt. Like she keeps making it worse by trying to cover everything up. When that is Lamb's only concern is saving the hostage. You know what I mean? So they kind of like painted Tavner as just this like, like purely sociopathic person that's only concerned about climbing the ladder and preserving her like corporate status within the MI five type of thing. Lamb's like, this kid's going to fucking die, you know? Like, uh, so it's, it's like, I, I kind of feel like she does have like some sort of like humanness to her that should have triggered way earlier. You know what I mean? That it didn't need to go this far. You know what I mean? But I guess it makes it more exciting. Yeah. I'm going to start, I'm going to start from the, I'm I'm going to go, down to the foundation of of the plot here and say that i'm not i'm not really sure i like her whole uh sons of albion operation 
being planned out in this way in the first place. Um, like, why is she doing this on her own? Um, I mean, could she be that ambitious to try to pull something off like this just to like, maybe, I mean, she's already one step away from, you know, being the head of MI5. Right. Uh, and, and yeah. obviously probably it takes a certain kind of, or at least uh, a lot of people who reach the, I mean, a certain amount of cold ambition has got to play into the ingredients of, of getting to that position. Um, but also being smart and knowing like what you, you might reasonably be able to get away with. And this doesn't fit the bill to me. Like the, the shake, the shakiness of the, plan for what she gets and for what she's risking to do it secretly seems off to me. Um, you know, she always presumably had the option of going to her boss, the first desk and saying, Hey, I've got a great idea. What do you think? <laughs> right. Well, it you could know? be like plausible deniability, right? I'm sure the first desk doesn't want to have her hands dirtied. Right. It's kind of like, uh, didn't they do this in Veep where, like, you know, uh, Selena never directly ordered people to do shit? It was always implied, and then people threw themselves under the bus type of thing. That way, Selena could never be implicated. That's that's my only, uh, you know, that's my only excuse for that. But, like, I'm definitely on board with you that, like, I think this whole false flag operation was kind of way, way overextending for what gain? Like, just a slight kind of... It's a PR, it's a PR game. So it doesn't even reflect directly on her. Like if she pulls it off correctly, like no one's ever going to know that she masterminded it. So it's not like she gets personal credit for it. Like, even if it went off well, if they find out that she pulled it off, she's in trouble. She's not, (laughs) she's, she's not getting called into her boss's office to get, you know, a compliment. (laughs) She's, She's getting called into her boss's office to get her butt spanked. Yeah. Um, but then also, yeah, I agree with you. She's um, uh, she's going too far in trying to cover up. And I had said this in earlier episodes uh, that I was like from the from the first couple episodes, I was hoping that at the end of the day, Slough House's involvement, her choice to run any of this through Slough House had to do more with something about the intricacy of the plot and not just um, like a way of having a uh, uh, some kind of plausible patsy to throw under the bus. But it turns out that's all it is mm-hmm. um, in the end. So I'm kind of disappointed Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I I feel like a lot of her plan was just patching. Like, even if you want to, like, say, okay, uh, she didn't do it for self-interest, obviously, because there's more risk of punishment for her and zero reward, right? <clears throat> like you were just saying. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but... Uh, what, what I'll say is like, let's say, you know, and I don't think Tavener as a character was, was, you know, constructed like this, but let's say she's working out of the best interests of England 
And she's doing this entire false flag operation specifically just to gain even a slight edge on the Pakistani like government and the head of intelligence there. Like, let's just say that this, this was, you know, uh, it seems like every step of the way things are going wrong. And instead of like solving them in the best way possible, especially when you got lamb basically offering you a way out, you know, uh, she keeps trying to cover up and patch things up and patch things up. And, um, I, you know, maybe this is how people actually behave that get caught down the road or something, but it just makes me feel like someone in her position should have been able to see there's other options to kind of cover things up and solve the problem and save the day. You know what I mean? Like, at no point did she stop and go, wow, shit's gotten fucked up. We have to contain this, like, in a better way. She's like, we're going to contain this by throwing all of Slough House under the bus. And I don't believe from the story that was her plan the whole time, right? Like, do we think her plan was to, like, throw Slough House under the bus? Or do we think it was just an opportunity that if she had to, she could, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was a grand plan to do this the whole time, right? Exactly. I don't think there was any grand plan because even though, okay, like now that shit's gone tits up, she's seeing the opportunity to blame Jackson Lamb. And by the way, like, isn't she supposed to know him better than this? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you take a swing but, at the king, you better not miss, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so even if we take it as granted that, like, she ran this, you know, she just basically chose, she chose to run a tiny bit of the operation through Slough House, it looks like, you know, the the observation of Hopton. Right, that's it. Um, and if, if she was doing that in order to create the future possibility of having a, uh, I keep saying Patsy, but I'm, I'm, there's another word I'm really looking for. Um, what's, what do you call it when you, you throw someone under the bus, you blame them, um, throwing them under the bus. Right. Are you talking about scapegoat? You're talking about scapegoating. Scapegoat! That's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or gaslighting or yeah, yeah. No, scapegoat's what I'm looking for. So it yeah. doesn't, even if she was trying to set up like, you know, to have like some faint possibility of having a scapegoat in case shit goes south. Mm -hmm. Slough House is a terrible, terrible decision for her because her whole concern, her whole, her biggest career concern is the fact that she knows that River Cartwright got a surveillance photo of her meeting with the, I forget his name, but the guy that was basically uh, her inside guy that was organizing the whole kid, the fake false flag operation yeah so like if you're looking for someone to set up as a scapegoat like you want to stay the fuck as far afield as you can of mm. the one person that you've got this big concern about that make that has a connection that can make this connection it's it's kind of dumb on her part in in the <laughs> end in the end i think she's dumb yeah, <laughs> uh, which which was disappointing for me in a show that Absolutely. I enjoyed so thoroughly. Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, uh, we have been wondering about and being tantalized up till now. We finally got our answer about like why Sid was uh, assigned to Slough House, and apparently it was just to keep tabs on River Cartwright. We had our big concerns about the blue shirt, white tee kind of stuff. We got our answer. Can you tell us what it is? No. No? You don't know you don't know why she's keep why she assigned someone to Slough House to keep tabs on River Cartwright. Oh for, no, I, I still don't know why she did that. I I I like w- was she afraid of him climbing the ladder? Wait, no, like, it's it's because during a training exercise, which happened before the show started, so this is stuff we find out about, you know, through dialogue. It's not something we saw. But before the training exercise, before episode one, during a, a another training exercise, um, and this is also kind of weird, and we might want to talk about it. Oh, that's uh, right, because she assigned- remember- there's a picture. That's right. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, on a surveillance training exercise, River Cartwright was assigned to tail Diana Taverner. And while doing that, he got a picture of her meeting with the guy that's going to be like, is the big connection with the sons of Albion false flag operation because of the existence of that photograph. And because now, so she fears river Cartwright. So she actually set up uh, Cartwright's nemesis guy to purposely give him the wrong information in the airport training exercise. Yeah. To get him sent to Slough House and right, out of, that explains out of our big question in the first episode. It does, it does. Yeah. Although, again, again, there would be fucking record like a training exercise that elaborate, which we already established was pretty stupid. Yeah, <laughs> but even if you if you did something like that, there would be analysts mm-hmm. going over every detail about what happened. They have the recordings. They know what the guy said on the comms to river Cartwright, They would know that he gave him the wrong information. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, which we mentioned at the time. So that, that doesn't hold up. And so now the, the person you fear the most goes to slough house. Okay, great. Whatever. Uh, if I grant that now keep your fucking sons of Albion operation as far away from him as possible, because in the end, that's what shoots her in the head. And she should have been smarter. She's she's dumb. Yeah. She's not. Uh, she doesn't. I I like her on screen. I don't like her on paper. Can yeah, I say it that way. Absolutely. Uh, I I feel the same way. I th- well, as an actress, I think the actress played her very well, and mm-hmm. um, I like a lot of her dialogue. You know, and especially when her and Liam <clears throat> have their British Bake Offs. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, I if if she was aware of all of this stuff. Why? Why even work with Slough House to begin with? It's just I don't, I don't buy a lot of it. Because it seems and, like she picks them because they're kind of like the bottom of the barrel. Let's just give them a shitty assignment, <clears throat> and then it turns out to be this big deal. And then she ends up trying to throw everybody under the bus um, to cover it. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the worse it sounds. And I want to believe that this show is like really good. (laughs) It is, David. Two things can be true. Uh, There can be a shitty plot with a great story 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's kind of what we got here. Um, it's just, it's the underlying fundamentals of the plot that, that are really bad, I think. And also I'm not like, I, you know, if I'm her and you're coming to me, you're saying like, Oh, I have a, so you're saying I met with a, you know, an ex agent. Um, fuck off. Like, I, I don't understand like how everyone's so freaked out that just having had any contact whatsoever with the guy, um, I got his name here. Let's, let's, let's do get his name. Alan black, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the linchpin. Everything's like, you know, uh, hinges on in the end is like, well, I've got a guy that I've convinced to lie to say that you met with Alan black. Well, here, I've got a picture that proves that you met with Alan black. Well, guess what? Nobody has any evidence whatsoever about what they talked about during that meeting. Yeah. Um, I don't see why everyone's so freaked out about it. I don't see why anyone regards this as a damning piece of evidence that yeah. they should really be <laughs> really be worked up about. I, yeah, and she could have just met with him for all kinds of reasons. Uh yeah, it's definitely not like could have been a hookup. Could have been a hookup. He's kind of sexy. Great, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then Maybe- and yeah, you know, you go, you go. Maybe, maybe since he's like out of the supposedly retired or left or whatever, they can now have their like, uh, like relationship, right? So they don't, they don't have. There's no like office like sexual harassment or anything. Dude, check this out. If I'm Taverner, you know what my play is? I'm like, yeah, that photograph is real. I did talk to Alan Black. You know why? Because Alan Black came to me and said, listen, Diana, you need to know some fucking shit that uh, Jackson Lamb is up to. Right. Well, that's what she kind of does, right? Doesn't she try to make it look like, well, that's why she has Struin to like claim that he met them talking and, and what date and time they met. Or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so with that piece of evidence, she can then claim that he came up to her and made the claim that you're talking about. But what I don't understand is why doesn't she claim that you know we used him as an undercover agent and we were going to get the 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 area. We were just waiting for the thing, and then he was compromised, and they killed him. Well. I guess you don't want to say that publicly because that means that looks like you can't protect your agents. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if the, um, if the other, uh, if the other goons survive, then they're going to be in a position to, but then of course, well, that's what they would say, but she's not planning on Alan black dying. That's the problem. That's the big, that's the big (laughs) fucking twist (laughs) of the series is when, uh, Curly just suddenly fucking, goes all axe murdery uh and we find out that he wasn't taverner's mole and that i still i'm kind of still a little annoyed with you that you didn't like that uh twist uh because i thought it was just one of the best twists i've ever seen in this spy story personally right um before we get off taverner too uh and and the cartwright connection um seriously is that the way you do it like you you're you're you train your agents by saying like okay i want you to see if you can tail and get any dirt on the second in command of mi5 yeah, right. <laughs> i mean i get it i get it in terms of like if he you know 
well, you know, I guess you can get to the top of MI5 different ways. Like you could get there not and just have been a bureaucrat, right? Yeah. And not necessarily like a master field agent. Um, you know, like we always imagine like our master field agents, like they're so hard to follow, you know, you can never, you know, they'll, they'll lose you. Or if they, if you're following them, they just, they just fucking know, you know, sixth sense (laughs) and shit. So if you can follow this bitch, then you pass your, you know, your grade. Well, if she's, I mean, if she's that good, then how good of a test is it of your agent? You know, right. he's going to come back and say, I lost her. And you're going to say, well, yeah, because she's fucking good. Or she's not that great, in which case, what's the point? And also, like, I don't know, maybe just don't assign your own agents to spy on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> as, as a matter as a matter of course. Or if you do, like, in a training exercise, like, the person that's being uh, uh, the target should know that they're part of a training exercise. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't like I, that either. Yeah. I I mean, I, I guess I could kind of see the quaintness of like, let's see if you can out like spy the, the, the spy or whatever, but yeah, it's kind of a silly training. I mean, but we've already established, we didn't like most of the training concepts anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. And how many agents do you, do you give that training exercise to like now I'm Diana Tavener and like, it's like every, every couple months, you know, I'm, I'm, like I'm, I would constantly be being followed by my own agents. Fuck yeah. that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. She would, she would be like super, like good at like spotting them, you know. At least yeah. I'd like to hope so. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So uh, I'm done with Tavener. I, I I really feel like I've wrung her out to dry. Uh, actually, going through it, I, I I feel very justified in that. Yeah. Um, now we get to talk about our heroes, our yep. slow horses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't you take that wherever you want? And, and, and what do you got to say about our motley crew? Um, well, uh, there's a lot, like I said, you know, after doing this podcast about this show, it, there's a lot of little tiny trade craft, but there's nothing like really big, you know, other like most of the big trade craft is like really abstracted kind of just setups. Um, like I don't think any of the tradecraft like like is super hinging on the big you know which I kind of like because I kind of feel like maybe this is like how it might actually play out sometimes. Um, but uh, last time I was talking about Ho and how he like is this super hacker and just completely is so deep down the tech rabbit hole has ignored like basic like tradecraft. Um, where he can't get the registration number of the car the the our goons are driving, and Standish just runs across the street to a payphone and calls. It's like, oh, I was just in an accident. I got like their information, but I couldn't get. It. And gets the registration number within like two minutes, and like he's just like baffled, and and like yeah, and and then she just keeps like you know. So I wanted to point because I brought this up last time that you know we we get a lot where. You can get so down a road of focusing on one avenue of, you know, tradecraft like the tech or, you know, just anything, right? Like, and, you know, there's a lot of fundamentals that'll still always play out, you know, and still work. Um, so I really wanted it because I love that. Um, but we, we, we first start with them at the cemetery, right? Where they all get together to go out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then, 
um, Lamb is taking uh, Cartwright to MI5, the, the Regent's Park, to try and get the photograph. And he tells the whole group, like, just go and disappear and don't get caught. Uh, but I, I love how, like, he takes the time and he's just like, this is a really big moment. And, you know, in case I never see you again, um, I just want to say to all of you that you're fucking useless. It's it's just he never misses an opportunity just to shit on everybody, even though he really loves his, like, you know, like his bag of losers that he calls them or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the – I, I love how he gets into the building. Do you want do you want to go over that one or, or should I? Oh no, please take it. Yeah. So um he just charges into like Regent's like oh, headquarters, Regent's Park <laughs> to like the guard gate, just blasting like I would walk five thousand miles. And and uh you know, the, the guards are like, get out of the car, they're pointing guns at him. He's just like singing the song. They're like, get out of the car, get out of the car. And then he rolls down his window and he starts, you know, there's a whole British bake-off with him and Nick or whatever. And and he just wants to see Tavner. So they let him in and they just take him to her and they just take the SUV in without checking it. Um, meanwhile, his goal is to get Cartwright in. So he used all this really cool misdirection to make them focus on him. And not realize that Cartwright was in the SUV the whole time or was slipping into headquarters the whole time. Meanwhile, um, his one of his aces in the hole, because basically like he meets Wait, with hold on, hold on. How did that how did that how did that work exactly? I get it. I mean, I kind of get it. Cartwright was in the SUV, but you know, by threatening that there's a bomb in there, and then they send a little bomb camera robot out there to look at it, and they see a mess of wires and a clock. Yeah. Why do they just walk up to it and and you know just instantly tell that's not a bomb? I got yeah. confused there. <laughs> and then why is why is dude suddenly realizing that that means there's they have an intruder? Was that kind of glossed over or did I did I blink? Oh well, we never actually see Cartwright get out of the SUV, so I'm not sure. Like the. The, the bomb, I think, was like a little ace in the hole for him because, you know, Tavner is talking a m- mean game to Lamb and, like, she's got him in a corner. And, like, he's just kind of like, you know, that all sounds good, but I forgot to mention there's a bomb in that SUV. And she's like, he's crazy enough to do this, so she takes it seriously. So she, she basically announces the bomb threat, which gets, like, pretty much everybody. And this is, like, late at night, you know, so I guess a lot of people went home. And there's only certain people that she's like entrusting on this op, right? Um, oh, this place is very busy for uh, four in the morning, too. By the right. way, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, the whole squad in the parking lot has to go and focus on the truck. Meanwhile, Cartwright, I guess, had either snuck in some other way or had left the SUV at this point. And with all the focus, another piece of misdirection, where all the focus is on the SUV, he's able to sneak into the building and. They realize there's a fake bomb, but like that doesn't really accomplish anything for Lamb. So I guess for Tavner to realize that it's a fake bomb, why would Lamb even do that? That buys him what, like 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes? That's not enough for him to like, you know, prevent like this big fallout that she's planned for him. And so she, I think she concludes they're sneaking someone in. And that's that's why she goes. But 
I don't I don't know if anybody could that quickly figure out that that was the plan. But I mean, that's I guess I, I guess that's the string of events we're supposed to believe. Right. And then, OK, so the idea there was also a thing and I mm, almost hesitate to mention it because I didn't get it and it was very subtle. But they oh, they first lamb and. Lamb and uh, Cartwright first went back to Slough House, mm-hmm. and Lamb is sending Cartwright in there for some reason. And all I got from that was uh, he goes and gets finds the body. Remember, all this stuff happens in like a day and a half, like the yeah. entire six episode series. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of our guy that uh, uh, was killed in Slough House that fell down the stairs. But honey or something, Mooney, Moody, 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 Moody. Moody. Yeah, great. Um, there's something like uh, Cartwright starts stripping something off him, like his gloves or something, and says, you know, to the corpse, uh, you know, sorry guy, it was it was Lamb's idea, and I never did understand what he was accomplishing there or why oh. they even went back to Slough House. Ooh, can I can I say uh, I think a very a missed opportunity. To me, um, you know the door, that big fucking creaky, broke-ass metal door that leads into Slough House? Yeah. I thought it would have been really funny and really on point for the kind of comedy of this television series is to have seen River have to approach that door and say, like, you know, because he's trying to get in quietly, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And just say like, okay, door, we got to fucking do this. Don't fuck Uh, me, you know, and really like, you know, kind of twist the knob and kind of maybe try to lift it off its hinges and try to see if he can open it quietly. Because Uh, usually you have to like basically slam your fucking shoulder into it to bust it open. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I thought that would have been pretty hilarious. Uh, can I, can I take the opportunity now to, to, to mention that this show is funny? Oh, absolutely. It's hilarious. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think I had pointed out that it was like a dark comedy. Is it the funniest spy story that we've covered on this podcast? I think it is. Well, the man who knew too little, that was pretty funny. I think this, this makes me, this, this show makes me laugh harder personally. Yeah. I definitely um, like the quips, those British quips. I think I think a lot of the spy comedies that we've covered uh, end up in a lot of um, kind of uh, 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 prank gag falling down over each other. I forget the kind of comedy. Um, there's a name for it, but um, just kind of, I don't know, silliness mm. as opposed to being like sharp. This is this is the first like I, I think like sharp, nicely written comedy that we've seen. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Can't, can't think of another one. Um, but uh, yeah, and then and then okay, so I again I don't know why they went to Slough House. I don't know what he's supposed to be getting off of Moody. Would love to hear if maybe some sharp-eyed listener uh, caught on to that part. Um, but he's going and he's figured out. Uh, that photograph 
has got to be why Taverner was having him watched. And it's a connection to, you know, to the guy that um, Alan Black. And he's also figured out, like, that must be why his nemesis fed him the wrong information. He's making a lot of logical jumps here. And Mm. I think the biggest one is to imagine that after all this, you know, and I think he, he verbalizes it. Like he says like, Oh, that guy, he would have kept a copy somewhere. I don't think he would. I mean, first of all, I think that's just such a huge string of logic leaps, you know, for what you're risking. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, like you've done all this stuff to, to, to buy him like what, like 20 minutes of being able to run around in the building tops. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before they figure it out. Yeah. Uh, again, like the whole like risk reward thing seems very off to me. Um, and for them, you mean for Lamb and Cartwright? Yeah, really? I do. Okay. I, I mean, I, if the photograph, no, if the photograph, well, the photograph does turn out to be there, so oh, the oh, reward oh, yeah. obviously is really good, but they don't know that. Like it's, yeah, but it's they're on stuck a very... in a rock in a hard place versus True. like with uh, Tavner's plan, she wasn't really stuck. She just was like overextending her ambitions, right? Um, so her her risk was very high, and she's not getting any personal reward. And I guess the reward for the nation is kind of slim for the risk that she's taking. Versus them, they're kind of fucked. You know, and 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 they're they're pretty much like pulling themselves out of the mud with this one. You know what I mean? So it's like this is their hail mary type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would uh, I would call it more like grasping at straws. Uh, but yeah. you're right, like you know, they you, you're right. They're in a tough place, but just this is a very shaky bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that like okay, like I uh, I know that I saw Cartwright with Alan Black and therefore I'm concluding I'm River Cartwright right now. Therefore I'm concluding that my nemesis was, uh, uh, instructed by Taverner to fuck me up in the one mission. And that's why Sid was sent to keep tabs on me. But I know my nemesis is so fucking sleazy that he would have kept uh, that photograph, mm-hmm. you know, just in case he ever needed it as leverage mm-hmm. against Taverner. And yeah. then also concluding that he would keep it in the fucking official file cabinets. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's not in the right place. But uh, then then another shaky fucking uh, plank in the bridge is like, oh, he did call it, you know, when, when he was writing me about my fuck up, my mm-hmm. supposed fuck up is like, he called it a fiasco several times. So maybe it's under <laughs> F for yeah. fiasco. Yeah. I'm calling, <laughs> I'm, I'm just calling bullshit, dude. Like, yeah, yeah I, um, I think it was way overdone. The, the, the trying to find the file. I mean, it was kind of cute, but yeah, no, I, 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 I feel it was a little, a little much. And again, like I said before, I don't think the photograph does as much as the show pretends that it does. Yeah. As as far as demonstrating Taverner's guilt. 
So, so it's a huge, huge, elaborate gamble on just to me, like the flimsiest of, of possible rewards that is probably not there, but, but because of plot armor, it, it is, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's me on that, on that topic. Um, you mentioned, uh, I wanted to, uh, jump back to, and, uh, Standish, uh, Standish is pretty, pretty much on point here. I mean, she's, uh, you know, she's in, everyone's got a reason for being in Slough House. Hers is because she used to be an alcoholic. Well, you know what? She's fucking sober now. And yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, you know, so her past sins have not been forgiven yet, but you know, she's in the 12 step program or whatever. And she's fucking on point and her brain is working. Um, very well. Another, actually. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing I liked other than, uh, the aforementioned, uh, very quick two minute analog way of getting a license plate number, uh, was her thinking through, uh, Alan Black's identification of like what he would have used as his cover and her thinking through and figuring out that uh, if Tavner is running this as a black op, even from her own superiors, it, you know, cover identities are very expensive, mm. you know, super expensive. That's one thing that, uh, uh, that, that one series of videos where uh, 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 we watched where that one lady, talked about like different shit in spy movies that was bullshit. And one thing she really keyed in on was like uh, people like Jason Bourne that have just like a briefcase full of like 20 different fake identities. She's yeah. like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, no, yeah. like every, every fake identity is the product of thousands of hours and dollars yeah. or pounds in this case. Right. of a very careful crafting. So that shit does show up on the budget somewhere and you don't just like throw them around like candy. Um, so figuring out that it couldn't have been on the books, but also them knowing, cause they used to work with uh, Alan black and you know, someone says, yeah, he was always really tight with his money. So they figure like he wasn't springing for his own like super false identity that she figures out like he just used like an old ID. Yeah. That was that was cool. That was actually maybe my my best tradecraft of the film of the of the series. Yeah. That's a good quite, one. Yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. Um but there was a lot of really good little stuff, you know what I mean? I really enjoyed, like, you know, like last time when we, we talked about the the Pepsi can getting the car key thing and um, there's, there's tons of like little, little things that I think really make the, the show like, not only do you have like the great dialogue and this cool kind of run down group of people that are like, you know, turned out to be our heroes, you know, uh, I, I you know, I, I, I like the little, it's like the little things that I think really sell the show to me. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, yeah, I don't have any other stuff I I need to go like rabbit hole into. Um, uh, I'd like to hear if you've got any other details you want to talk about. I think I would like to talk about um, uh, a star rating and a and a park bench rating for this show. 
Well, we should probably cap out the story, uh, how they found the truck. Um, after Standish gets the registration number, they're able to find like a, like a, was it like an anti-theft device or something on, on the, on the truck? Is, is that, is that what it is? But a hoe basically hacks into something that they're able to track, but it's like a 10 or 20 minute like delay. So whenever they get like a ping, it's going to be where the van was like 20 minutes ago or something. Um, and that's how they're able to figure out what direction they're headed. And everybody just goes charging after them. And, you know, our whole gang of misfits basically save the day. And I think uh, Tavner is trying to have the, the uh, one of our goons like murdered so he can't talk. And the slow horses basically protect him so that could, so that he can see justice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a very like, Hey, we did the right thing. Uh, Tavner gets away, but whatever, we did the right thing. Uh, but we, we also do get a preview of season two. Apparently season two is done. Um, Ooh, David, David, perfect, yeah. perfect time for me to ask if, uh, uh, I could take a beer piss break and then, yeah, I do want to hear about the preview stuff. Well, there's not cool. a whole lot on the preview. It's just. Uh, 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 no, okay. I, I, okay I, yeah. I, I mean, if I'm going to take a break, now is a great time. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm good. Okay, joke. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end, we get to see season two preview. So uh, it's done filming, from what I understand. Um, and then uh, oh, the it looks they, like Tavner and Lamb are like buddies in it. They filmed it. It's done. Yeah, we're going to get it next fall. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited. And if you haven't seen the show, it's on Apple TV. Um, and it looks like there's actually like an external threat that I guess Tavner and Lamb are going to be like working together on type of thing. But they're probably still not really buddies. But, you know, uh, but I'm excited for it. Um, and I'm sure Todd is. And I hope all of you are, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you did... 
I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, what I, I didn't just want to meant, I mean, I guess there was a specific season two preview, but also just like, there's a wrap up at the end of seasons of episode six, where we're left with, like, we're reminded of unresolved issues. You know, we're left with tantalizing crumbs. This isn't definitely isn't like all wrapped up tightly with a bow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We still have uh, we have the the revelation that all traces of Sid's name have been wiped from existence. She doesn't exist anymore. Indicating oh, I forgot that she about might, that. Yeah, right. That she might still be alive. Yeah. Um, I see here actually in my notes. I I don't remember it, but it looks like Hopton was killed. Actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. Uh, yeah. So. That politician guy, I never remember his name, but he's kind of a prick anyway, so I don't give a shit. Uh, Peter Judd, right? Sure. Yeah. Peter, Peter Judd MP, I don't know what that is, um, but uh, Hobden basically tries to blackmail him. Um, Tavner shows up to Peter Judd's place to like basically like strong arm him to giving him information and is like, you need to tell us this because this kid's going to get killed. And he's like, oh, I don't know anything, you know, because he's never going to admit to being connected to Simmons, right? Um, but uh, th- I guess the compromise is like, look, we both have someone that's a, a fucking thorn in our side. Just take care of him and I'll help you out type of thing. And and at the very end, we see Nick push Hob- Hobden into like a garbage truck. Oh, like, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that now was really, that, yeah, that was kind of like our poetic justice for the end. Cause this guy's like the prick that like fucked everything up, you know? Uh, so the whole thing is fucked up, but you know, uh, he, I, I think he's a character nobody likes. He's just this kind of like, has been like kind of bottom of the barrel ex journalist type of thing that's just trying to climb his way back up, but he's still kind of like a creepy right wing psycho, you know? And here right, but but it's the it's here. it's the mastermind. It's the people that you know have masterminded this that are escaping justice, which is also leaving us with this, um, you know, unresolved thing, which which yeah. could be the end of a, a single season set, and and yeah. we don't need more. But we've also got this, uh, you know, this remaining thing with uh, Lamb and Standish, you know, yeah, that uh, we find out that. Uh, I think it was Standish's husband, I guess. Charles Partner was the former director of, or who's Charles Partner? Fuck. I don't know what he was to the MI5, but, uh, oh, that's, yeah. And we find out who actually killed him. But uh, that was, that was Standish's husband. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it was actually, you know, uh, you know, made it look like a suicide and that's the story he's still selling to Standish, but we're going to see now in a flashback that, he actually uh, murdered the guy. Yeah, and uh, Cartwright's grandfather, John, played by Jonathan Price, is the one that ordered the hit. Which was fun because one of my notes while I was going through episode five and six, I was like, is is Jonathan Price ever going to show up again in the show? <laughs> yeah. So the fact he shows up again at the very end, very again, very clever storytelling. Like, it just gives us, like, so much to, like, want and expect mm-hmm. um and then also like stewin i think is his name uh the scottish guy that uh taverner got to flip like he's still you know could have a role 
Oh in, yeah. In the, in no, the no, no. Story. They, when Tavner and Lamb meet at the end, they basically it's quick, but they like negotiate stuff. And basically she asks him if he wants Struan back and he's like, no. And she was like, yeah, cause he betrayed you. He's like, yeah, exactly. Right. So I think, I think Struan's out. I think cause I, Tavner doesn't want him. Right. And yeah, and but he I, could still, he, he could still be some kind of character. I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying this show like leaves, like not just open threads, like, you know, like in some movies or stories at the end, it's like, wow, we did it. But the bad guys still escape justice. Well, that's just Chinatown, Jake, you know, yeah, right. and then roll, <laughs> roll credits and we're done. But this is leaving out the kind of threads that like, no, they're specifically letting us know, like, there's more to come. Right. <laughs> and, and I couldn't be happier about it. You know who else couldn't be happier about it? Let's talk yeah. about this really quick before we go to star rating. Um, this uh, interview snippet that you shared with Gary Oldman. Uh, Which where one? You talking about on our Facebook page? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which which one? Because I, I posted like four. I've, I've been oh, okay. falling in love with this show. Oh, awesome. This is the yeah. one where he said like, this is... And I think this is actually kind of um, weird to hear from someone with as stellar a career as Gary Oldman. Mm -hmm. But in at least one interview, he said, this is like, this is the role I was born to play. <laughs> he said, he's, he yeah. said like, this is, this is literally like, you know, when you just feel it, it's mm -hmm. so good. And, and he just, he just loves playing Jackson Lamb. Yeah. And he's talking about possibly thinking about retiring from acting. Yeah. God, God bless him. You know, he's, yeah. he's given us a lot, but dude, if you really read the text of what he's saying there, yeah. he's also saying like, he will do as much Jackson lamb as they'll give him we, <laughs> as we audiences want. Yeah. Like, so he's, He's kind of, at least in that, that interview, and who knows, like, what his state of mind was on that day. You know, maybe the next day he's like, you know, I don't know, fuck, fuck retirement. Yeah, I'll do right. 20 more movies. But <laughs> at least in that interview, his state of mind was basically like, this feels like the best role. This feels like the role I could see myself ending my career with. I'll yeah. do as much of it as you want. But I might not want to do anything else after I've finished this. So let's hope. Let's hope. And guys, also get the word out. Tell people about this show. Yes, please do. The yeah. show is so fucking good. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they committed to two seasons, but they could conceivably do six fucking more because the books are out there and the yeah. books are hugely popular. And as far as I know, that guy hasn't stopped writing them. Oh, so there's even potentially more. Yeah, we could, we could, <laughs> I mean, this, this dog could have legs. This dog could have legs. It just, you know, Apple TV, not the most successful streaming service at this point, but it's yeah. shows like this that uh, demonstrate what they're capable of bringing to the table. And uh, I want more. Absolutely. So the star rating on this show, no surprise. I don't think we need to discuss it any further. It's a five. Oh, for the, oh, yeah, yeah. As far as like rating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
I, I, I loved every minute of it. It's it's super dark, super funny, super dry, very British, uh, and and it's just fun spy content. Yeah, absolutely, I, I love it. <laughs> I, in fact, Heart- I'm probably gonna rewatch it. <laughs> I am definitely gonna rewatch it, and I just I just cannot wait for the next for the next season. Yeah. Um, I yeah, it's uh, it's 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 joining my fives uh, for sure. Park benches, I think is a little bit more complicated. Can I let you have the floor and make an opening bid? Zero an to five park bid, benches. Um, I, 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 there's a lot of hiccups, and I don't think they are more real. You know, because I think we've had stuff in the past where we still gave really high park bench ratings, even though there was a lot of mistakes made because they made sense. Right. Like for a real-life tradecraft. Um, right. If people if people do dumb stuff because they're flawed human beings, and we understand how their flaws lead them to make bad tradecraft decisions, that's not a that's not a as big of a slam as when they're supposed to be smart people that we're looking at them and saying you're actually doing something dumb. Yeah. Right. And and I and I feel there was quite a bit of that in this, but there's also like some really cool stuff in this. So I, I kind of let's look. I, I I'm feeling a three and a half right now. Ooh, that'd be lower than the Americans. I can get on board with that. Yeah, well, that def- the American. Yeah, definitely. the Americans is much more on much more solid ground tradecraft wise. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. Have, we have most wanted man in that. We have the night manager, Argo. Uh, the company at a I, yeah, I think this is probably. Sne- I think sneakers feels like a very uh, good analog to sneakers. Is at a three. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has got this has got more window better window dressing, but yeah. is the trade craft itself the decisions made actually better than sneakers? Possibly. Well, I'm looking at our other threes like Atomic Blonde. That's kind of like you know. Uh, no way out. I, I don't know. I, I feel, you know, I feel pretty good about three and a half. Which, I think you know, he nailed it. I, th- I think yeah. he nailed it. I think that's, I think that's where this is. Uh, there, there's an astonishingly stupid training exercise imagined. And, uh, <laughs> as I feel, as I feel I've made the case, like Diana Taverner's whole, like, actual like thought process really, really falls apart and is not on the level of like uh, an actual smart, you know, quote unquote villain uh, that we would expect to face. But these people, it, I mean the, the minor quibbles about the tradecraft aside, the show is so fucking funny. I love these characters. I love everyone. I love the villains. I love the heroes. I love Jackson lamb. Absolutely. All right. Completely on board. Yeah. So it's official. Three and a half park benches uh, for slow horses. Uh, What are we doing? We're doing Red Sparrow next week. Uh, We have started taking notes on Red Sparrow. It's a it's a a movie that was recommended by a a podcast listener. I don't have his name in front of me right now. Mm. Uh, Very weird movie, by the way. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm loving it <laughs> as much as you might expect me to love 
a movie about a femme fatale assassin because that yeah. is kind of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, next week, uh, next week we'll have a full movie episode on Red Sparrow. Then we'll go back to a TV show of some kind. Hasn't been decided yet. And now would be the time if any listeners want to try to stop me. We're coming up on June. It's my birthday. It's my podcast. It's been two and a half years. Technically, Total Recall is a spy movie. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we still we still haven't done well. Besides Garrett, uh, the the um the spy character in uh, the Deep Space Nine Star Trek television series. Yeah. We still haven't landed our science fiction spy movie. I briefly considered Aeon Flux. I've been watching it. I think that would be very difficult to tackle. Yeah. Uh, I would so much rather talk about Total Recall. David, if our audience is listening to this news in absolute shock and horror... And do not want us to do Total Recall. What can they do about it? <laughs> they, can, they can email us uh, at the contact page of spieslikeus.net, or you can tweet us, spies underscore like us, or go on to Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast. We are happy to have you yell at us um, or tell us that you want us to do a show and why aren't we doing this show. Uh, we have an enormous list ourselves, but... You know, we're happy to we're happy to look at other stuff that um, you know y'all want us to talk about. We have a list in mo- of movies and TV shows that we will never in in ten years. It grows faster than we can cover it. To be yeah. honest, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but anything you guys recommend, we put it on a list, and and we're definitely uh, fulfilling a promise. Uh, oh, it's John Vellaggi. I hope it got his name, his, I mean, John, obviously, I know how to pronounce. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, Villaggi. But uh, Red Sparrow, that's going out to you, buddy. Yeah. The preceding transmission sampled the song Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net.